Pray with me, please. God, we just heard that song that, that you're good. And I, I talk to people and I know people who just don't believe that because of trials and challenges uh, in life. And I, I pray that we'd see you as good. We'd see that, uh, that the storms that are either in our life now or will come, uh, you will use uh, for our growth, for others' benefit, and for your glory. But I pray for those who are in a storm right now, uh, who, are, who are questioning you, who are questioning if you're good, uh, and have made them or, or us weak. And I pray that we'd see that you are always strong and that we would rely on, on your strength. And for those who do not feel weak, but feel strong all the time, Lord, I don't want them to be humbled or broken, uh, but I do, I do want them to see that, that you are stronger than they could ever, ever be and to rely on you over and above uh, any gifts, any, any strength uh, that you have given them. So may we, may we see that, whether we're weak or whether we're strong today. That you are our strength in calm seas and storms. May we know that by your word. May we know it by your presence, by your supernatural peace that you give in your spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. Uh, if you would, uh, you can turn your Bible to the Old Testament. Uh, we are going to be in Jonah. Small book. For about uh, a month. There are four chapters, so four weeks. Uh, it is, and I'll be honest, it's, it's hard to find. It's little. It's back in the Old Testament. It's, uh, this doesn't make it easier. It's between Obadiah and Micah. Um, so, but uh, you know, like, like, like I do, many of us know the story of Jonah. But uh, uh, we're going to go a little further into that. You know, some of the biggest challenges that, that I hear, that, that I think that we can face as, as Christians, are around the, uh, around the nature of call uh, and storms and others. Call, storms, and others. Here's what I mean. Uh, for, for call, now I believe every Christian is called, but I think many Christians do not walk into that call or even would say, hey, I'm not really called. And they just go about their life. And whether it is in school or, or at work, you know, they don't have a feeling of call by God. Or even that, that their entire life is a call of God. Uh, which I believe if you're a Christian, it is. So I think one of the big questions, one of the big challenges is this idea of call. And we're going to be looking at that over the last month. Uh, actually, this... Uh, this month, I've kind of titled it, God's Call, Our Response. If God is calling you, and he is if you're a Christian, then how do we respond? Uh, also, and as I prayed about, the storms of life. Uh, all of us have storms. You're either in a storm right now or you will be in a storm. And as I also prayed about it, I've talked to several folks who in the midst of a storm would say, you know, I... I'm questioning now whether God is good. 
I've heard those exact words, that exact sentence. Uh, The storm could be a death, it could be a diagnosis, uh, it could be a loss of a job or a a hoped-for job that does not fall into place, or maybe a broken relationship. And then this idea of, of others. And, you know, that's one of our, our values as a church. It stems from our, our core verse, John ten sixteen. Jesus said, there are others. I must go to them. We say, love the other person, the one who's different. And I think the challenge, the question for us as Christian is, you know, how do we push past just wanting to be in our comfort zone and really be the body of Christ, uh, a true community with a lot of different people, uh, different different races, different socioeconomic uh, people, families. I haven't thought about this. Um, I happened to uh, I, I happened to be out west uh, this week, and uh, so you know I was thinking about our church, and I was like, you know, what if we had? And, and they, they're out there, and they're here. They may not admit it. You know, what if we had a lot of, like, liberal, use that word, and activists uh, and Democrats as, like, really committed members of Bellwether Church? I don't know if we know how to function. Be, be honest with you. And we probably do. They just can't say it here. And it's the reverse out there committed conservative Republicans. This is not political. I'm not going into that. I'm just talking about, I know some, you know, I know some committed uh, activists uh, who would consider themselves liberal politically, but are very, very, very like pro-life on that issue. I don't know how, I don't don't even know if we know how to handle if we had somebody like that in our elder team, quite frankly. Thought about that. Someone that different, but yet, would believe the Bible literally, truly, but sees God's call to them in a different way. So my point is they're, they're an other. That would be, a, that'd be an other to us, whom God calls us to love. Maybe whom God calls us to go to. And that's one example, but it's, a, it's one that could come to the forefront of our mind. And I say that as a rhetorical question, being the body of Christ. You know? Really living into his church. So I think those are some of the big the call, an individual's call, the storms he or she faces. How do we really push past like just wanting to, you know, be around those who are kind of like us and really live into the family of Jesus? Those are questions that Jonah really hits on, okay? Now, like... Uh, like many, I mean, I, I kind of have always grown up knowing Jonah as, as what? Like, Jonah was swallowed by a fish, and that was it. And, and yeah, Jesus mentions Jonah, if you, if you know some of the New Testament. And, like, he was, you know, in, like Jonah. I think Jesus said, like, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, so the Son of Man will be, you know, in the earth three days. And so it was a metaphor for, for Christ. But, and then often you'll have Christians, and, and this is, I'm not going to say a major issue, but would say, well, I think it was just totally, you know, a metaphor and that it didn't literally, you know, a fish didn't swallow Jonah. But, you know, to believe in the resurrection of a body, and we have some doctors here who so like, so that like cells and blood stops for a couple days and then began again, you know, is, is honestly a much harder thing to believe 
than just some huge fish swallowed a guy and he lived there. If you get down to it. So I, when we, uh, as we go through Jonah, we will four weeks or four chapters. Uh, I believe all this is literal. In fact, I believe all of the Bible is literal. Okay, and it's not like a, just a metaphor, a symbol. But this really happened. But it's a lot bigger and more for us than just like this guy being swallowed by a fish and God saved him. And so we'll see that. So let's read most of chapter 1. It's, it's on, they're short uh, chapters. So I'm going to read 16 verses. Uh, verse 17 brings into the fish, so that's next week. Uh, if you want to know how that happened, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't, but just to plug next week. Anyway, so Jonah 1, starting with verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. It's God speaking. Get up, Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come before me. Jonah got up. He followed God to that point. He got up to flee to Tarshish, which is not Nineveh, from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lots singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country, and what people are you from? He answered them, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So he said to them, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by a great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And stop there. So we'll talk today about the call, the storms, and the others. Call is in like call of God on your life. God's call in your life. 
storms. We see a storm and other people. Uh, Start with call. So Jonah was called. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, verse one. Get up. Like I said, he got up. Lord said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh, uh, back then, uh, and y'all, some of y'all know I like history, but it was in Assyria, which would conquer Israel. And the Syrians were, uh, they were bad people. Bad, bad people. Uh, they did uh, a lot of bad things, and I'm not going to get graphic to People, citizens of other countries that they, they captured, uh, they, they were not of the Lord, not fearing God of the Old Testament. They were bad. And Nineveh was this huge, uh, massive city. And so God's calling Jonah to go to that city to bad people. And Jonah goes in the opposite direction, running from the Lord to this place called Tarshish, which uh, was a port city where all the sailors would come and, and, and sail out. So he was running from God's call. Okay? So Jonah received a call. Jonah was God-fearing, God-worshipping. This is before the cross, before Jesus, obviously. But uh, he worshipped the Lord, got a call from the Lord, and went the other way. What would that say to us? Uh, first off, you're all called. But it may not initially be the call you think. What I mean by that, you're all called first to know God as your Savior, as your salvation. Uh, I believe that there are Christians in here. I don't believe that every individual in here today is a Christian. And I believe that for every Sunday. So I say that the first call of God on your life is to come to Him and to know Him, that He is your Savior. Now, that's a, a way of saying it that you've, and I've heard before, but what what I mean by that is he's your savior, meaning your looks are not your savior. Uh, your wealth is not your savior. Uh, your, your desire or pursuit of wealth, your drive, your ambition, uh, the gift God has given you of being able to work hard is not your savior. Uh, your family as great as it is. We talked in the children's time about moms and dads, and some of us are blessed to have both. They're not your savior. Uh, your children are not your savior, although uh, our, our culture would definitely try to push us in the direction of our kids being uh, our savior. You can just you know, ask me today where part of my family is, and it's at a swim meet, <laughs> That happens on Sunday that, you know, he's got to go to to qualify for state. You've got to do that, you know. And the same with soccer and baseball and all that, you know. I get it. I'm in, I'm in there, you know. It's Looks, wealth, drive, ambition, career, goals, achievements, family. So, they're not just saying, so the first call of God on your life, and he's probably whispering this to you now because we've got to be reminded, is that, Nothing else will save you except me. And the me is Jesus. Now, if you receive that, or if you accept that, you know, words we use, if you believe that, as many of you do, I believe, then you have another call. And I would say this, all Christians are called. And, and one of the challenges, again, is to try to kind of wake or awaken Christians up to see that they are called 
out into the world. We say neighbors and nations. You know, your neighbor may be uh, sitting right next to you. Your neighbor can be your spouse. It can be your child. It can be your parent. It could be friends at school. It could be coworkers. So we're called. And we're, we are all called. Now, what happens, though, is often, uh, often we will... Often we'll say, well, let me put it like this. I meet a lot of Christians, actually, who said, hey, pastor, I know I'm called, okay? I know, I'm, I'm called by God. And, and we get that a lot, maybe in our context or the Bible Belt, and say, yeah, I'm called by God. But often, I'll say this, often that call is for their benefit. Can you hear me on this? Like, we can follow a God here, and it can give us a lot of benefits. So, for example... Hey, you know, I want to uh, lead, we don't have Sunday school, I want to lead a Sunday school class, someone might say, or I want to lead a group, someone might say, or I want to lead a mission trip, someone might say, or, you know, I, I want to share with a group my, my story or testimony, some might say, or, you know, how can I be a leader in this church, some might say. And often if you get to the heart of it, often you get to the heart, we will mistake a call for, Something that is very beneficial to us. Somebody said to me this week, he's another pastor, and I was talking to him about ministry. And he said, I wrestle with this all the time, and I wanted to go somewhere and be somewhere, and it would really benefit me. And yet God said, I want you to be a benefit to others. I want you to be a benefit to this city. And that's the distinction about call call of God, I believe, a true call of God, is not for our personal benefit, but it's for you to be a benefit to others. Because for Jonah here, it was definitely not for his personal benefit, which is why he ran. But God was saying, I want you to be a benefit in this city to others, to be a benefit rather than receiving a benefit. God's call, you know... Another thing, I think we mistake this call, and we're going to be hitting on it all month, but we'll mistake call and be like, yeah, it's what I want and what I desire and kind of my selfish ambitions, that's got to be my call. It's not that way in the Bible. Uh, If you look at the men and women that God called, they initially didn't want the call for many of them. Abraham, God said, go. Abraham didn't want to go. Moses, I'm calling you to say my people, no, God, I don't want to. No, God, I can't. No, God, I'm not gifted enough. Uh, even in the New Testament, uh, Peter, Peter was saying, you know, I, I'll, I'll fight for you. I'll, I'll never deny you. You know, he took the sword and cut off the guy's ear. Jesus says, you know, Satan's going to sift you, Peter. John 21, Peter's looking at John comparing himself, and Peter says, I mean, Jesus says to Peter, you know, you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go. Even the call of Jesus, he did not want at a point. You know, his cross, many say the true cross was the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want the call, the greatest call of all, to to die for all. He didn't want it. He said, not my will, your will. That is the Christian call. I don't know all about your specifics. I do know some. But if you had to generalize it, 
It's getting us to the point of saying, not my will, but yours. And it is, it is to a degree, say it like this, making us comfortable in the uncomfortable. Getting us more and more comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, and I say this about here at, at worship too. It, it's why uh, you'll see me. Um, you know, I kind of miss my seat down here. I haven't sat there in, in weeks. I really do. I get a little, like, misty-eyed looking over at it. Um, and I'm serious, and it kind of makes me sad. But the point is, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, I kind of made a channel and said, I'm going to sit in a different seat every Sunday all year long and just get out and different folks. I'm going to be in the back. You back folks. I'll be back there soon enough. I am. I am. I just got to get somebody else to speak first. I don't have to walk up, okay? But I'm going to be in the back, and, 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 part, and it's uncomfortable. I, I, I'll admit, after about a month, I'm like, I don't know if I really like this. And, and I say it, but I was like, God, you're getting me, you want to get me comfortable in what's uncomfortable. So he's working on me in that. Even worship. You know, I love uh, something TK says. TK would be Tyler. And, uh, you know, about playing songs, and, you know, they'll, they'll talk about songs. We'll really wrestle what, how can this song tie to a message. And they really work hard to do that. And I give Tyler and uh, Ty a great deal of credit. But there was a line, and I think Tyler said, he said, you know, if, if, if every Everybody likes every song we play. I don't think we've done our job. And, and I think that's very fair. That, uh, that some songs, maybe it's the words of songs, you know, may make us uh, a bit uncomfortable. Uh, being in a church, in a body with different types of people, it make, it's not always comfortable. I get that. You know? um, being uh, unified, moving towards unity, growing unity, it's not always comfortable. Giving, you know, we talked in the fall and We'll talk this year. You know, giving is not comfortable. It's not. Uh, going to neighbors and neighbors, all this stuff. But I think the call of God, you know, generalize it, is us saying, not my will, your will. What's his will? We get it from the Bible. I believe it literally. I think it's, uh, I think it's our life. I think it's the way, the truth, and the life showing us Jesus. But I think it's a plan for human flourishing in a broken world. So, the call, you're like, well, what's my call? Well, could you look at what God's saying to you? Could you hear God? Is he saying, you know, be a benefit to others? Where is he saying be a benefit, number one? Number two, is he pushing you to be a little bit more uncomfortable in your comfort zones or get out of your comfort zones? Then I would say you're close to hearing God's call as a Christian. Uh, the storm. So Jonah runs. Jonah runs. He, he flees. And a storm comes. And God causes the storm. Now, God, let me say this before I get into trouble here. God doesn't cause every storm. Okay? Storms come. You're either in a storm now or a storm will be coming. Storms come. Sometimes they come from our running. So I believe if you run from God, if you run from God's call, you're going to end up in sin. You're actually already sinning because you're running from God. Because you're probably following your heart in, in pride or greed or lust or something like that. Sin has consequences. Sin's consequences will cause storms in your life. Individually, uh, in the heart, personally, in your life, in relationships, close relationships, and in society too, in groups. So yes, sometimes our running from God, uh, our running from God's call, will cause storms. Sometimes storms happen because we still live 
We hate it, but this is the case. Still live in a broken world. So the storm of receiving a, a very troubling or bad diagnosis. Uh, the storm of just banking on that job, getting that job, and, and it doesn't happen, and, and you're left, you don't know what you're going to do. Uh, the storm of, you know, a broken relationship, you know, this was the love of your life, this was who you were going to spend the rest of your life with, this was, was it, and, and maybe that's happening in marriage, or maybe it's before marriage. Storms happen because it's a broken world. And then there are times that God causes storms. God does cause storms. He causes storms, though, like Jonah, for us to know him and get closer to him, as in God. He causes storms so others will come to know him, as we'll see in a moment. And he causes storms for his glory. Yeah, for his glory. Uh, To show uh, someone... You know, getting closer with the Lord, coming to Jesus in salvation, others knowing him. So, yes, there are some storms. I believe God specifically, like, he causes it. He he did it, okay? Other storms happen in a broken world, and God uses. And then our running may cause a storm as well. God is so big, you know, our, our, our really number one value is seeing a big God. God is at work in all storms, whether we cause them. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. The storms of life caused in a broken world. God will circle them back for our good and his glory. We may not see it all in this earthly life. We may see part of it. And then the storms God does cause at times. I mean, I believe sometimes, you know, God, God did this. And he's got a plan. We have to trust in that plan. So, so here... This is a specific example. Why, why would I say God caused some storm? Well, God calls this storm. So here's one example. God calls the storm from his running. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? To change Jonah's heart, number one. To lead others to him. And we'll see that in just a minute. But I just ask you, if, you, if you're dealing with a storm right now, or if you've dealt with a storm that you're still bitter about, and that can be the case. So really the storm's not over yet. Uh, and I, have you ever asked, you know, what is God teaching me in this? Have you ever been thoughtful, reflective, like what is God doing in this? Have you ever, you know, just sat even in the midst of the pain? What, what is God saying here? Just you and God. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm really bad at that. I mean, I want other people around me. I want, uh, you know, I want to talk or talk it out or, um, as Barbie and I say, be loquacious. That just means talkative. It's not really a compliment. So, um, just sitting on your own and with the Lord in the pain, in the storm. God, what are you doing? Teach me. And God, God will show up. Actually, God's probably already there. And he'll talk to you. What is God doing in your storm? It'll steal you for the next storm. That'll come. So for Jonah and, and you know, the, the last part of this, and, you know, he's called. The storm comes. He's in this boat. And he's around all these sailors. And I would call them other people, okay? So the others. Last part of this. 
You know, what does a call do? What does a storm do? Well, it leads others to the Lord. So here, in Jonah 1, God calls him to other people, different people, non-believers, pagans. So they would say, pagans not worship God, not believe in God. So Jonah flees and gets on a ship and finds himself surrounded by the very people that God called him to. Talk about seeing a big God. Talk about seeing God at work. Like, What are you saying here? They're not like Ninevans, if that's a word. No, it's not about Ninevans. It's about people who don't believe in God. It's about God wanting to reach and lead the world to him, to come to a saving knowledge of God. This is before, again, the cross, but the same thing's going on today. Come to a saving knowledge of God in Jesus. So there are these sailors, and it says, it says that, um, verse 5, they are afraid. Each cried out to his God. So that'd be different gods. My Bible has a little G God. But, you know, what's interesting is these sailors are more concerned about the people and about the ship than Jonah is. You know, Jonah's the believer, and he's asleep. And you could say he's resting in the Lord, but that's not what's going on. He's more like running from the Lord. I mean, he probably took, you know, several Xanax and like conked out to escape. I'm serious. And, and found the wine in the ship's, you know, vessels. I mean, I'm checking out. Okay? This is not resting in the Lord. It's still running from the Lord. So, they're more concerned. And, and I say this because, you know, there's this deal, and some of you know it's called common grace. That even, and, and that's why I said that at the beginning, that God bestows common grace on everyone. That's not saving grace. I'm not talking about heaven and hell grace. But if we have the true love of the Lord in us, uh, we could learn from unbelievers even. Uh, as, as Jonah is. I believe that the Lord uses these sailors here to begin convicting Jonah later in the passage to soften Jonah's heart. So God, yeah, and it's, if you see a big God, then he can use anyone at any time. And there's this common grace. And this is, a, this is an age-old uh, term uh, that has been used, say, so, yes, God can even work through someone who's not a Christian to impact another Christian. You're like, well, how does that happen here? Well, they're all concerned about the ship. Jonah's not. So they, they come to Jonah, and they said, like, man, what is, what's going on? Who are you? Because we had, you know, calm seas before this, and you got on board, and, like, you know, all, all Hades is breaking loose. Who are you? And look at this. He answers, I'm a Hebrew. You could, you could say, oh, yeah, he's meaning like he's a believer. No. When he says, I'm a Hebrew, that's a, that's a racial term. Uh, that's a nationality term. He says that first before I worship the Lord. So that would be like today saying, who are you? Saying like, well, I'm, I'm an American or I'm a white American. I'm a white American from Mississippi, or I'm a Southern, and I'm a Christian. That's what is going on right there. The point is, his saving faith for Jonah, because this book is also about Jonah's salvation, too. His saving faith is being of the race 
and the tribe and the nationality of the Hebrews. Not that he worships the Lord. And so therefore, I would say whenever your primary identity is not Christian, then you can easily act in unchristian ways to neighbors and nations, to Christians different from you. Jonah did, because the Ninevans, again, if that's the word, are not Christians. And God has a specific call on his life, and he says, no, I'm not going to go to them. You know, I'm of the, the tribe, the blood, the race, the, I'm special, I'm different. So for us, and again, I think God's working in Jonah's heart. You're about to see how he does. So you have the sailors, I believe, their concern. You have Jonah's, maybe how he finds his salvation and his identity and his race, his his country first. But finally, God starts to work on him. Something happens in his heart. Because Jonah says, throw me overboard, and it'll stop. You're like... I just said, throw me overboard. I mean, that's like, how is that any, how is God working on his heart? Jonah substituted himself. There was a substitutionary sacrifice. Jonah said, no, it is me. Throw me aside. It'll be okay. Not knowing that God would rescue him, God would save him. Not knowing that. I don't know if you heard any of that. I don't know if that connects in any way with you. But if you're a Christian, I want it to begin connecting with you. Because that is a reflection, a pointer to what Jesus did for us. Okay? Something in Jonah's heart was changing towards these people. Something like, hey, I want to save them. Like, they don't worship my God. We are different. These are pagans. And yet, they're hurting and they're concerned God was working in Jonah's heart. He could do nothing about it. It wasn't, he didn't start it up. He didn't do it. It came about seeing it. His heart was changing where he said, no, throw me aside. Substitutionary sacrifice. You're like, what is that? That's what Jesus did. When he went to the cross, When we deserve, when you deserve, when I deserve, death and hell. Jesus said, throw me aside. How do you love others? How would you identify as a Christian first above everything else? By loving Jesus so much, like, he's he's done all this for me. By, like, not just knowing that as you've been taught it over and over again, but by believing that he loved me that much. And then, look at this, last thing. These pagans... These non, for our day, non-Christian, they come to the Lord. So on that day, they're saved. Their, their words went from a little g God to, verse 14, they called out to the Lord. Please, Lord, don't let us perish. Verse 16, the men were seized by a great fear of the Lord. And that word fear in the ancient Hebrew literally meant worship, awe. They offered sacrifices to the Lord. This is not one of their little G gods. This is the Lord, Jonah's God, our God, and made vows. I don't know if you see all this, but you have a man, which could be a woman, who was called, who ran, and God still used. 
a huge storm came through, like a huge storm that may be in your life, that God used. How did God use the storm? To draw Jonah, and could be you, to him, and use that even to bring others to him. You talk about seeing a big God, it's all through Jonah. Jonah's so much more than just being this dude swallowed by a fish. Yes, it points to Jesus. Yes, Jonah's heart changes. As yours. I'm not talking about today. But do you see God's call in your life as only for your benefit? And I'm not saying you do. I'm saying I know that feeling. In, in Christian world down here, like, oh yeah, I got a call guy in my life. And it, it can help me so much. Or are you moving to be a benefit to others in your school, in your work, in your church? Are you even trying to be comfortable in the uncomfortable? How are you facing your storms? Are you listening to what God is saying in the storm? We're probably all really going through some sort of storm. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's physical. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's a relationship. Do you see a big God? Do you believe in a big God that God's working through this? And then, man, a heart for others. Jonah didn't have a heart for others. And it wasn't the call. You see, it wasn't the call that got him to have a heart for others. It was the storm. It was the call he refused. The storm in his life brought him closer to the Lord and closer to, to loving others. He said, throw me overboard. <laughs> you get, he didn't like work around and, and try to save this. He's like, no, it's just throw me overboard. I'll sacrifice myself. Are we that sacrificial? God's call for you and me is to be a benefit Somewhere, I believe you're called here, it's here. And God's gonna work through those storms. And God has been our sacrifice. If you're like, I could never be a sacrifice. The whole goal of this deal, coming to church, doing Christian, is to be more, more and more like Jesus. And we're about to see what Jesus did. He shed, he died, gave his life, gave his blood for you and me. If he can do it, and if we call himself his, and that is what he is moving us to, to be a sacrifice for others. But we first have to see like how awesome, how beautiful it was that he, he gave all that he had for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, let us just see that. Because I, I want us to be, I want us all to be a benefit. I want us to be more comfortable than the uncomfortable. I want to be comfortable than the uncomfortable. And that is hard. I want to be a benefit to this city. I want these people to be a benefit. I want us all to sacrifice our our lives for others. And the only way we can do it is not for props, not for how good it might make us look in in Christian culture. But when we truly do it, we know your sacrifice for us. So may us see that. May it melt our hearts, to melt our hearts toward others. Others vastly different, very different, to love them, to serve them. Because that's what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.